0: I haven't been this excited, I must be honest, uh, with what I want to share in a very, very, very long time. I get excited about the Word all the time, but I just really feel this is something that's been on God's heart for us as a church, particularly, but also I believe for the nations and for what God is ministering and speaking to us. So let me launch off very quickly. I know it's it's such a big topic. I'm just going to have to tie it up as I go along. I shared, uh, I think, two weeks ago. Uh, quick synopsis, and a lot of people got th- thrown off the boat or, or off their chairs, and, um, and they kind of said, you that was a bit—so I'm going to try and unpack it a little bit slower and carefully, but I, I want us to understand that everything that we do in this church, there's purpose. Amen. There's a mandate. There's a, there's, a, there's a strategy that God has. There's a reason why He created 24-7 Church in this community for such a time as this, and everything that we do is around that purpose. And I want every single one of us to understand in 24-7 that you were wonderfully uh, uh, brought into this local body. Your different giftings, who you are, your uniqueness was brought into this body. All those different parts were all brought together to uh, unite together to be able to fulfill that purpose. Amen. Amen. So you're all strategic, you're all important. And what I wanna try and do is over the next little while too is unpack and make sure you know and understand how you as an individual fit into the big plan and how, how important your role is. And if you fulfill your role, it fulfills the big picture. Amen. There's nothing worse than being in a company, doing your little part, whatever, but not being able to see what your part actually does It really matter. Does anybody notice me? How, uh, you, know, you kind of lose motivation or, 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 or in that. Amen. So I want us to see all of that. So I'm going to try and give the big picture and then try to th- wrap it up th- this morning and show you a little bit of how, uh, how different parts fit into that. Amen. So the first thing I want to just explain or just go through this morning is that the enemy understands and knows what God is about and what he's trying to do. So he's always going to bring the counterfeit. Remember that he's not the creator, so he's always the counterfeit. He's been there from the very beginning. He's watched, man. He knows how we operate, where our weaknesses, where our faults are. So I want you to understand that you will swing one of two ways. And in the end of the day, when it all comes together, and if you go and read your Bible, it helps you see the end. It's so wonderful. I'm telling you, I love when I know what's going to happen at the end of the game to actually enjoy the game, because I know exactly how it's going to end. It's so wonderful that God gave us a picture and He tells us how it ends and then He says, come on, let's enjoy the game. People are getting so uh, irritated, frustrated, they're, getting, they're freaking out and uh, they're even getting deceived or getting pulled in the wrong direction when they've actually seen the end of the game. Come on, church. So here's the reality. The reality is, friends, we live in a world, whatever, that's bombarding us with a philosophy. It's bombarding us with understanding. I don't want to pick on Hollywood, I don't want to pick on anybody, I just want to say that there is a philosophy in a group of people, and it doesn't have to even be a large group of people, but if they get enough influence in our lives, they will be declaring and speaking a philosophy over our lives, that at the end of the day, friends, is an anti-Christ, an anti-the gospel, amen, and you will either be flowing with the one or flowing with the other, friends, but you can't, there's no middle camp, friends. When it comes to the end, and I said to you in the last picture, there will be those that will be for Christ and those that are against Christ. There will be sheep and there will be goats. There aren't any camels. There's sheep and there's goats, friends. There's those that have accepted Jesus Christ, given their life to Him, surrendered to Him, and those, friends, that will bow their knee. (laughs) I don't know if we get that picture, that understanding. Breaks my heart. I don't want anybody to have to be forced one day. Because they will bow their knee. You might think, oh, but some people are so arrogant and they hate God so much. When they see Jesus in the final trumpet call, friends, they will bow their knee. They will not be able to do anything else except bow their knee, friends. But it will be too late. May God help us that we are not part of a community of people that lose sight of the big picture, friends, and that this thing is way bigger than us and ourselves. What God meant and designed, friends, the enemy has tried to twist and turn, friends, through self. So when we look at the Bible, when we look at what I'm trying to share this morning, I want us to understand that what God designed and created for us is to be a spiritual people. Understanding as you all sit here this morning that God is spirit. And when He designed and created man, He created him to be a family to be his people, to be a home, to be a house, to be a place where he could come and dwell, where he could operate and walk amongst us and live amongst us and we could be together as one, friends. And that picture, friends, is a spiritual people. I'll unpack it over time, friends, but if you go back to the very beginning when Adam and Eve were created, friends, you will understand that God who is spirit walked in the garden with them. Friends, it was, he created a spiritual person. First and foremost, for us to understand this morning is that man is made up of three parts. We got that as a church. He's made up of spirit, soul, and body. Friends, he was formed and created from the dust of the earth as a body. God came along, friend, and he breathed inside of man. And when he breathed inside of man, he left uh, something of a spirit within man. And when that spirit and the body united together, a soul was created. What is a soul, friends? A soul is your intellect, your emotions, your will. The soul is who you are. It's your personality. What makes you unique? It what makes Hannah, Hannah? It makes Courtney, Courtney. It's what makes Rachel, Rachel. Rachel is not Hannah. Hannah is not Rachel. And That's not because they have different bodies. That's not because they have different spirits. That's because they have different souls. We got that. The unfortunate thing is that when God created us, He created our spirit, soul, and body. Our spirit ruled and was in control over our soul, which was in control over our bodies. They were all united as one. The life of God was able to then flow as one unit, friends. They were in a glorified uh, place and position, friends, where God, now as spirit, and they were one, where they could walk and commune, and they could operate together. But then along came uh, 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 the enemy, tried to deceive Uh, And what happened is as soon as they chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, please, can we catch this very much? Call the tree whatever you want, friends. It's not sin. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's choosing to go self-root instead of God-root. Call it my way tree. Forgive me, the insurance company, but... I'm not picking on any insurance, companies. the maway tree or the self tree or the, the stupid tree. When man chose to go the stupid tree route, friends, then what happened is it says there if you eat from that tree, you will surely die. He didn't die where he, he fell down. What happened is the life of God separated from his spirit, his spirit man died as it were. Anything that separated from God is dead. Yet man carried on to continue to exist and walk around. There are people walking around on the earth today who don't know Jesus Christ. They're walking around and they're breathing. There is a life inside of them. It's not the life of God. Have we got that? Do you understand that, friends? If you come to the end of the word of God, you will find out that there are two deaths. One death is a physical death. The second death is a spiritual death. The reason why there is such incredible fear and, uh, and, and, and around death, friends, is because if we die in the state that we're in of sin, friends, there is a huge fear because then we will eternally die. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you can go read it. You'll understand. I'll unpack it another time. But simply put, friends, the reason why death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? It's because Jesus Christ took care of sin. So friends, every single one of us is gonna die once. It's appointed for man to die once and then the judgment. But the reality is if you're taking care of sin, I have no fear anymore of the second death. Why? Because I am now a spiritual person. My spirit has been made alive. So when I sinned, friends, Adam and Eve sinned and then throughout the whole, we can read it, the Bible tells us everybody then sinned and sin came into the whole world and so death came through sin. At the end of the day, friends, what happened is the soul and the spirit, the, the spirit had died, the soul came together and the soul and the spirit became one. Basically in God, And if you go throughout the Old Testament, you'll find out that, that the Bible relates to the spirit and the soul, often interrelating, the same, it uses the same word often for the spirit and the soul, they were one. They were united together. It was hard to differentiate between the two of them because the spirit was dead and the soul was ruling. And then when God came and Jesus came to make us alive, friends, not only, friends, did He make my spirit man alive, but He came and He breathed His life and who He is. Holy Spirit came to dwell inside of me. My body is now the temple of Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Not only is my spirit made alive, but I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. We must understand that when that was to happen, friends, he gave me the opportunity and the ability to once again walk in the same way Adam and Eve walked, but even better. Because Adam and Eve, friends, had to go to the tree of life. He said, eat from the tree of life. You and I don't need to go to the tree of life. The tree of life is inside of you, me. Oh, no, man. (laughs) friends he came to dwell inside of us we have life within us friends we do not realize what super powerful people we are we are a spiritual people a radical powerful awesome spiritual people being renewed in God but now we need to renew our minds Do not be conformed to this world, this philosophy and this way of thinking, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind because there's two very key issues here at stake, friends. The one side here is all about the soul and about self. The one is all about God. It's all about being a spiritual person. There's one defining thing about a spiritual person. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. A grain of wheat has to die, and then it brings up an incredible harvest. It's a picture of Christ, it's a picture of the body, it's a picture of the church, it's a picture of us. Unless we fall to the ground, it's like a a little sea that goes there and goes, I refuse to die, it will remain alone, friends. There's far too many of the church, friends, that are wanting to live in Sunday and they have not embraced Friday. And Friday comes before Sunday. The crucifixion comes before Pentecost. We are a spiritual people, friends, but we have to brace and understand that as a spiritual people we died in order that we could become a spiritual people. You know, if you go, and these are so much, but let me just, if you go to uh, Genesis chapter 11, do I have time to even... In Genesis chapter 11, what happens in Genesis chapter 11? It's the Tower of Babel. If you look at the Tower of Babel, let me just read you something from there about the Tower of Babel. Now the whole earth had one language, the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had bricks for stone and bitumen for a mortar. Then they said, come let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people. They have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come let us go down. Let us confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of the earth, and they left off building the city. Isn't that powerful? Understanding that was going on there, that these were people that had the same one language. They were one people, friends. And often what we do is with the Tower of Babel and that story, as Christians, we go, they were trying to build a a tower to the Lord. What they were actually trying to build, friends, is a city. One people, united together, building a city, and God says, if they carry on like this, nothing will be impossible for them. God said that, that's the word of God, friends. Here's the reality, there are two journeys here, friends. What will happen in the end times, and I prophesied, I'm not even a prophet, but I will prophesy it, and I will tell you, that man will get together as one people, because he wants to build something for his name. He wants to build a city. You see, what God did in the natural, friends, is He gave diverse tongues to disperse man. And what God did in the Spirit is He gave diverse tongues to bring back man to one people. But they left off building the city, friends. Gives you a clue there. What do you think God is doing right now on the earth he's pulling together his people one people one language where nothing will be impossible for them because they are a spiritual people he's not building something friends all of this stinks of what the Tower of Babel stinks of self he thinks of man wanting to make his name great. He wants to build something. He wants to do something. And the very opposite of what God's doing, he's established in building a city. It's the same. Man knows his purpose. He knows what he's called to do. He's coming together to build a city. Jesus is also coming together and pulling us together to build a city to make whose name great. And it's all about Him. So we as the people of God, what is the danger for us, friends? The danger for us is that we're not, we get transformed and we come alive in our spirit and become a spirit person, but stay in the self mode. How is that possible? It's possible, friends, because we are spirit, soul, and body. So what happens is our soul still rules us. The body, world conscious, the soul, self conscious, the spirit, God conscious. As spiritual people, we should live in the realms of being God conscious all the time. And as we're God conscious all the time, it takes authority over anything of self conscious and anything of world conscious. But if we get that out of order, then then the the self conscious rules. And even as uh, godly Christians, we can still be ruled by our souls. So the journey of what I'm trying to take us on, friends, is that we've got a whole lot of people sitting in the church as carnal Christians. People who have got born again who have been made alive by the Spirit of God, who are actually spiritual people but are being led by their flesh and by their soul. Here, this will challenge you, and I'm just going to throw it out. Hopefully, I will unpack it later. Friends, the promises of God are yes. All God is asking that you add your amen. The promises of God are because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. The promises of God are because of the cross of Jesus. You can tap into the promises of God for yourself. Or you can tap into the promises of God for something way bigger than yourself. What God is building is something way bigger than us, friends. It's, not, it's time for the church to stop it and to wake up and to realize, friends, we are not coming here on a Sunday to get taught and trained how we can apply the promises of God and we can, and, and how it can affect and bless our life. We're here as a church to build a city. We're here as a church to help one another. We are here to apply the promises of God, something bigger than just my life. Friends, God wants to bless your life, but that he blesses your life because there's an overflow. So that you can be a blessing to somebody else. It's not just about us, friends. This is about something great. This is about a commission, friends. The great commission, friends, the great commission to go there, to see how prosperous and how powerful you can get. It's all demonic lies to distract us away from what God's called us to, and that's building his home, a city, building it for him, friends. Does he want us to step into the blessings and the promises and the riches and all of that? Of course he does. He wants us to live in that, why? Because we're spiritual people. And I'll unpack that uh, as we go along. Of course he does. Friends, there's something dynamic about a spiritual person. A spiritual person, friends, understands that the word of God whispered something very, very important. All the way through the word of God, it whispered something very important. It said something. It says, when you and I got born again, guess what? We became aliens, strangers, citizens of another place. Why are we working so hard on our passport here? We are spiritual people, friends. We are aliens in this earth. We are strangers. We are exiles. We're ambassadors of a whole nother country, friends. See, this needs to be preached over and over again because I'm feeling it in my spirit man, it's going woo, woo, bing. See, the reality of the gospel, friends, is such a powerful reality that God shifted us and changed our citizenship. It changed where we're from, which changes our value systems. It changes everything. So we can come to church, friends. And of course, God wants to help us. He wants to bless us, take care of us. Absolutely. He wants all of that, friends, but not just for us, friends. Not just so that we can get over get so we can have this nice life, friends, so that we can go back to the high walls. Jesus paid a price to break down the dividing wall, friends. There's no walls in the kingdom. We are one people, one language in the early church. No needy one among them. That's just the same language, friends. Meaning that for me, it's not all about me. It's about all of us. It's about us doing this thing together. I'm about building a city. And just like in the Bible, the demonstration all the way through was they built the wall in front of them. They built the wall next to them They built the wall around them. They built the wall wherever they could build together as a community of people because the wall was about the city. It wasn't about them. That's a spiritual person, friends. First and foremost, we have to understand this. A spiritual person is not a selfish person. By its very definition and nature, a spiritual person is is a person that is submitted to the Spirit of God. It's a beautiful scripture, I'll preach on it. It just um, just got touched on a little bit by Riva as she was prophesying there. Obedience is better than sacrifice, friends. A spiritual person, friends, is about obedience. Not sacrifice. And obedience, friends, costs. It costs suffering. But suffering and sacrifice are very different. So, am I going to get, how am I doing? Oh, Lord. Okay, not doing so well. Okay, so let me, let me quickly run through let me the Bible quickly with you and just help, hopefully this helps for us as we launch off. Okay, so, never mind. So, in, John... In John chapter 20, verse 22, Jesus has died on the cross. He rose again, whatever now. The disciples, they're hiding in the room. Um, it's a, it's a, a Sunday. It's actually a Sunday evening. And they all are kind of, they, they locked up the doors and everything because they're a little bit scared of the Jews uh, or what's been going on. And Jesus appears to them in the room. speaks to them, peace be with you. Uh, shows them his hands and feet. And then the Bible says that he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit and they get born again, and their spirit is made alive. And now they're born again, and it's wonderful. And Jesus says, but okay, hold on one minute. Don't go anywhere. Don't leave Jerusalem. Just tarry and wait in the upper room until the Holy Spirit comes. So they're born again. They've been made alive in their spirit, but he says that's step one. Now wait, don't do anything yet, just wait. Isn't it amazing the story? Let's think of the story of Jesus, amazing story about Jesus. The only little tidbits that we get of his whole life is whenever he's 12 years old, uh, they go to Jerusalem um, to, to, to do the, the normal uh, thing that they do when Jesus was 12, paying homage, whatever, the uh, sacrifices and what have you. And Jesus is 12 years old. He goes there, they do it all, and then they're on their way back. And as they're on their way back, um, they take a, a day's journey, a day's journey, a day's journey from Jerusalem, they think that because it's a big caravan, that all, that all the kids are running around, all the cousins, and with the aunties and uncles, that Jesus is just around somewhere. They get there, you're talking probably at the nighttime. At the night time, they suddenly realize, hold on a minute, he's not yet at any of the fires. Where's Jesus? Try and find out Jesus is not there. Woo, panic. Okay, get a head off. Now the day's journey back to Jerusalem, they get, arrive at Jerusalem, they spend three days looking for Jesus, and they finally find him at the temple. And when they find him at the temple, they go, oh, you're not, you don't understand you have been, it's been so distressful. How many parents here if you haven't lost your child for five days? I can't imagine. Maybe the Bible keeps that part out. But I can't imagine what Mary and Joseph were saying or doing. But Jesus says, why were you looking for me and why did it take you so long? Just come to my father's house. 12 years old. But you don't hear much about whatever Jesus was doing because if you read it there, it's Luke chapter two, you can go read it, I think, towards the end, the 40s verses. Right at the end there, it says that uh, Jesus submitted himself to Joseph and it says he grew in wisdom and stature and the favor with God and man. But you don't hear anything and then Jesus suddenly goes to the river, he gets baptized. And once he gets baptized and he gets, receives the Holy Spirit, then he steps out and begins to minister. Hold that thought. The disciples, they've got, we made a Jesus says, hold on a minute, just wait for the Holy Spirit. Then the Holy Spirit comes, and the Holy Spirit falls at Pentecost, and he fills them. Not only does he now fill them, friends, but he gives them what? A new language. He gives them a new language because they are spiritual people. And this language, friends, is a direct language that only God can understand. If you go to 1 Corinthians 14, if you just go there just for a brief moment, I'll, I'll read a few things just to help you. What happens with this language, friends? I want you to understand something here. What happens with this language? What 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 is very important about this language? Well, oh, because I'm in two Corinthians, one Corinthians. Okay, one Corinthians. The important thing about this language is simply this: it's a God language. Only He understands. It bypasses our understanding. It edifies our spirit and it strengthens our spirit. So there's one key thing about this language. This language is not about this. It bypasses this, friends. I want us to go back to the very beginning and want to understand something. There were two trees. This guy got us in trouble. This guy needs to be bypassed. He gives us a spiritual language because we are a spiritual people that speaks directly to God and it bypasses. So, God comes along and He gives us a language that bypasses this, that speaks directly to Him and builds us up. Woohoo! That's powerful. Why is He building us up? What's He building? He's building us as a spiritual people, He's building, edifying our spirit. And it's bypassing this sucker. I love that. So God's given us his ability now to be spiritual people. And he says, I've given you the ability to be spiritual people by putting the Holy Spirit inside of you. The Spirit of God is now inside of us and he's working. And the Spirit of God's working inside of us gives us the ability to, for our spirit man to rule our soul and to rule our bodies. And not only is he working inside of me, but I'm gonna give you a language that when you begin to speak to me, as you speak that language, it's gonna edify and it's gonna strengthen your spirit. Wow. Because how many know every single person, I don't care if you're a child or if you're an adult, you get the same Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. A little child doesn't get a baby Holy Spirit. We understand that. But when you get born again, friends, your spirit man is a little baby. In the realm of the spirit, it's still weak. It needs to be strengthened. It needs to be Built up, friends, it needs to be edified. If you go and look in Matthew chapter 26, I think it's verse 41, you will see that Jesus takes his disciples, he takes them into the Garden of Gethsemane, and he says, "You're gonna pray. let's pray together. He takes uh, James and John, and, 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 and they go to a place, and he says, listen, just pray with me, just for one hour. Just pray with me. And he goes away, and he's, he's praying, and, he's, and he comes back, and they're asleep. And he says, guys, why can't you get can you, you sleeping? Can't you even pray with me? The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Friends, it's not just good enough to have a willing spirit. It's good, you've got to have a strong spirit. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. Maybe it'll help and we'll come back to that one. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. Am I spitting? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. It says, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant to you to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being. To be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being. He wants you and I to be strengthened by His Spirit in our inner being. Oh, I could... I have time even this morning to unpack that a little bit more. Uh, have I got time? No. So, moving just on in my journey a little bit. So now, we are spiritual people. We've been given Holy Spirit. He's inside of us. He's working inside of us. He's developing and he's strengthening the spiritual man inside of me. By the way, how does he do that? What's your and our spiritual exercise? It's called being obedient and doing the will of God. That's your spiritual food. Jesus says, I have food that none of you know about. Go read it. The food that he's talking about is doing the will of God. That's why obedience is so important. It's our spiritual food. It sustains us. So now, the first few verses in, in, in chapter 14 it tells us that we speak in this language, we're speaking to God, not to men, we build ourselves up, my spirit is speaking, my mind is unfruitful, does not understand. So now we kind of look and we go, okay, that's kind of going to be really weird. So as the church, we're a, we're a spiritual people that speak a strange language and we're quite weird. No, we carry on reading 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and it tells us the big picture. So we carry on reading 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says, yes, we are spiritual people, but there's a far better purpose. So we just quickly go to verse five. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Oh, this is interesting. So the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in a tongue unless he interprets Because the church is being built up. So catch this. If I speak in tongues, get the interpretation and declare the interpretation to you. It's the same as prophecy. However, if I just speak in tongues, it's bypassing your mind. Your mind is unfruitful. It's unhelpful. It is far better to prophesy. Why is it far better to prophesy? Friends, because the purpose is to build The church, we're building a city. We are spiritual people because we're building a city. If we carry on reading chapter 14 I haven't got time this morning, just simply put you'll see there that it's so important that we speak both in a tongue and that we speak in our natural language, a spiritual language, and an earthly language. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18, Paul says, I speak in in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, he would rather speak five words with his mind. Why? The Bible says to instruct others. In verse 26 of 1, 1 Corinthians 14, it says, Let all things be done for building up, woohoo, I love this, I love this. When you're talking about a spiritual person, he's given us particular tools for being spiritual people. One of the tools that he's given us for being a spiritual person is that he has placed Holy Spirit inside of us, that strengthens, develops, is working in us, that's building, that's establishing. The second tool that he gave us is a heavenly language. The heavenly language is there for us to edify, to equip, and to strengthen us, friends. That's why Paul says I speak in tongues more than all of you. If you wanna operate in the authority and power of Paul, you need to speak in tongues a lot more. Friends, as you speak in tongues, you get edified, you strengthen, your spirit, man, is getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. But as you are speaking in tongues, the Holy Spirit's working in you, it's all for one purpose and one purpose alone. And it's ineffective, friends, unless uh, you can uh, bring it down into the fruitfulness of people's understanding. And that's simply this, friends, that his purpose is to build and to establish a city. It was, his purpose was never about us being the best, richest, Powerfulest, wonderfulest person on this earth. His purpose was to build a city. If we we don't catch his friends, then we will live on the other side of the equation, which is half, which is just Friday. Because Jesus Christ did die for you and I, friends. And he made us, we got born again, he made us new, friends, and when He redeemed us from the curse of the law, when He redeemed us from sin and guilt and shame and all those things, He placed us in a position, friends, of blessing. And you can place your faith in what God has done and trust in Jesus Christ, friends, and you will receive the blessing. And there's far too many of the church sitting around, friends, when God is just, the, they've enacted the blessing and on their own lives personally. And they have no problem Giving a sacrifice. Friends, if I'm sitting to you here this morning and I'm a wealthy individual and I have got a lot of money, I can write out a check for 100,000. It is a sacrifice. I could use that money. But Jesus says obedience is better than sacrifice. What's obedience? I yield my everything to Him. I don't give Him little gifts. I'm not Father Christmas. I give my whole life to Him. Everything belongs to Him, friends. 10% belongs to him. You know what that does, friends? It costs. It's not a sacrifice. It's you suffer. (laughs) Obedience costs. But you see, a spiritual person has understood that he is dead and he's been made alive in God. Are we getting this? I don't know. Are we? I'm not going to be able to, to go where I want to go. A spiritual man is one who is under the control of, his, of the Holy Spirit. He still has a body and a soul. Do we understand that? We are not spirit beings. Angels are spirit beings. We are, are, we are spiritual people. We have a body and a soul. And we will continue to be a spiritual person for eternity. We will continue to have a body and a soul. Just a redeemed body, which we can't wait for, but... Spiritual food for a believer is accomplishing God's work. It's about the Father's business. It's not about don't bury your talent, friends. It's about taking your talent and using it for the kingdom, using it, letting God multiply it. A spiritual man must be conformed to the death of Christ before he can receive the power of Christ. I'm going to land. I want to encourage us with this. That although a lot of people don't walk in this fullness, friends, it is the God given inheritance for every single believer. Our inheritance is eternal. We live in a world which is bombarded with philosophies and understanding of a earthly and of a natural realm. But if you go read 1 Corinthians, if you just had to start in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and you just had to read a few little verses, and you would hear Paul saying, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied by its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning. I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. There's so much in there, I could carry on reading. Jesus simply says this, God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that it is written, no one will boast in the Lord. The things that are not to bring to nought things that are, friends, because Jesus Christ became our wisdom. And from that, I was reading from, there, from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I haven't even gone into 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But as you go into chapter 3, it says, but our brothers could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh or carnal people, as infants in Christ. The whole point, and we'll unpack it, of Corinthians, friends, is simply to say, that this this wisdom of man, it's folly, friends. There has to be a shift and a change to the wisdom of God. The reality is Jesus Christ became our wisdom. Friends, you don't longer have to go to God to ask Him for wisdom. Christ became your and my wisdom. And although what I'm telling you this morning might be challenging your intellect, I want to tell you right now that it's folly, that natural wisdom, friends, but the the wisdom that comes from above, the wisdom that comes through Jesus Christ, friends, is that God has supernaturally put in place an amazing plan to raise up a spiritual people, to raise up a people that walk by the Spirit, raise up a people that live by the Spirit, that are not swayed by anything of this world or whatever happens in the world because they come from another world. They are aliens and exiles and hostages and hostiles, they're aliens and they are strangers, friends. How do you and I fit into that picture, friends? How, does it, how do we operate? Well, we as a church, friends, why are we about what we're about? Why do we, why do we want to be loved, lived out? Because that's what this city is. It's a city of love, friends. This is a, this is a family city. Why do we have children's church? Because we're a family, And we wanna attract people that have got kids and that have come to the family. Isn't that what we want, friends? Otherwise, let's close it down. Then what are we building? We're not a spiritual people then. We're just a selfish people. We're saved, friends, but we're carnal. We're looking after our own interests, our own selves. We come together just to find out what we can get. And we'll pay a bit of a sacrifice for that. But when we understand that we're a family, that we've come together, that's why we do that. That's why we sacrifice. That's why we suffer at times. Oh, but you know, I'm gonna miss the service then when I'm in the children's ministry. But I'm building something, friends. I'm establishing something I don't really like. I'm a sharp person. I don't like shaking hands. I wanna shake hands because I'm building something. Get over yourself and shake somebody's hand. Talk to somebody because it's a kingdom and we're establishing what he's trying to build as the people of God. Amen. I'm not about myself. I've got to say soul power in the name of Jesus. And if I'm feeling weak, sometimes the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I need to go and pray in tongues. Allow Holy Spirit to come. It's why we, we're after the presence of the Lord. Why are we after the presence of the Lord? As a church, while these big rocks, while they establish as foundations in the life of this church, we're off to the presence of the Lord because we're a spiritual people, and the, and the Spirit within us wants to connect with His Spirit. Amen. So we come together on a Sunday. This isn't just a little thing, friends. This is actually the people of God getting together, pressing into God, connecting with Him Spirit to Spirit. So I haven't even got to the Scriptures of exciting things, friends, that when you're in the spiritual realm, friends, how many of you know, let me throw this out quickly and i will get you coming back. When Jesus said he was dying on the cross and he said, it is finished, friends. What was finished? He died 2,000 years ago. We've got 2,000 years of history, friends. What's finished? No, the world has got kaput. What was finished, friends? Where was he looking and where are you and I looking? You see, when he said it's finished, friends, he looked in the realms of heaven and he said it's finished. It's a done deal. Now when I come before him friends, we we use these cliche things so easily in church when actually they're powerful and very important. We go, we don't come uh, towards or we're not fighting for victory, we're coming from victory. (laughs) Take that, tear it up and throw it away if you don't have a revelation understanding of what you have just said. What you have just said is Jesus said it is finished. Where in the realm of the spirit, it is finished friends. And now the beautiful opportunity to tap in as a spiritual being into the realms of heaven where it is finished. And I can call things that are not as though they were. Why, because it's finished there, friends. But where am I looking? Because why, when you're a spiritual person, what happens to a spiritual person? They live by faith, not by sight. Whoa! now I'm starting to get so excited, you can see, and I've gone way over time. The reality friends, I get so excited because suddenly I realize, Wow, this is the church. We're a spiritual bunch of people, not earthly people. We're a spiritual bunch of people. We're tapped into the realm of the spirit where it's finished. And so I go in there and I'm very confident and I live by faith. Why? Because I gotta believe God because it's not, I can't see it. I'm not living by what I see. I'm living by where he's seeing. Amen. And then I could call things that are not as though they were because it's finished in that realm. Otherwise, where am I looking and what am I looking at? Friends, where is truth? If I'm looking in this realm, I'm looking at facts, I'm looking at the physical, I'm looking at things that I can see. That's not truth. Truth is Jesus Christ. Truth, tr- truth, friends. That's where you've got to be looking. Look at truth. Now, when we don't use this little blase thing. I'm coming from victory. Why am I coming from victory? Because I've just been living in the realm where he is. I've been living in the realm of truth. My focus and my eyes are on truth. And now that I know truth, it sets me free. Woo! I feel so free. I know it. I've watched the end of the game. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Half the Christians, though, they find the end of the game and they go and they say, let's take off our boots and let's go sit in the change and put our feet up and let's bring us a cup of tea. No, we don't see that in the Bible. When you find out what the end of the game is, friends, you fight even harder. You fight even more powerfully, because I know. I know we're gonna win. I'm trying to score even more goals. Because I know Jesus said I'm gonna win. And I come into that realm and I identify and I know and I call things that are not as though they were because I know that it's a finished realm. I know that it's truth. And if I stand on truth because I know truth and it set me free, I'm not striving or or fighting and going again, I'm fresh as a daisy. Because I've come from that realm, friends, and I'm popping and I'm sweating, not because I'm not fresh, but I'm fresh. I tell you, when you live in that realm, friends, and you come and you walk around in this realm, whoo, it's like there's a war going on and you wanna go, come on, that's the flesh, the, the spirit and the flesh are at war against each other all the time. Yeah, yeah, what are you saying, what are you saying? You're never gonna amount to much. How's it going? Truth? What's happening? Oh no. You set me free powerfully. Yes. Redeem me. Your son and daughter. Blessed, anointed, favor of God on me. Absolutely. Sorry. Just want to let you know. <laughs> Just keep following and watch me. Because you're going to see truth. And truth is going to be revealed. They're going to set you free. Because I'm not a nothing. But we are in this realm Oh, God. Help me. <laughs> because we've got to learn to be spiritual people. Come on. How do we fit into that? Woo, powerfully, wonderfully. Pull it all together and go, man, this makes it very exciting. I'm, just, yeah, I'm not just an arbitrary person sitting in the church. We're building a city here. I mean, they need plumbers. They need electricians. They need, they need carpenters. They need people that are good with their hands, good with their feet, good with their noses, good with their heads, I don't know, whatever. They just need people. And I'm part of this and it's exciting. So I wanna be part of this and wanna do all that's called to do because I'm building something. And I wanna, I wanna bring in people. I wanna get the, the community come in to come into this church and I want them to see the city, what, what it really is. I want them to know, I want them to know what love looks like. Because the Spirit is no longer written it on tablets, it's written it on our hearts. We are now living letters, the Bible says. It's written here, look at me. Amen. We've become living letters, we're working together, we're doing an amazing thing. And it's all part of the kingdom. So we don't get small minded, I just wanna build 24 24 seven church. No, I'm building 24 seven, it's part of the kingdom. It's part of church life. The churches have gotta get together. We're building something. Building a city which all works together, friends. You only get clashes and divisions because the Bible says the reason why there's strife and clashes and divisions is because you are carnal. <laughs> it's there, 1 Corinthians chapter three. You can read it. That we're really carnal, friends. There shouldn't be divisions and gossiping and all in, in the church. That's just we're carnal. We're building something great here. Amen. Now you can stand. Rub your bums. Say whoo. <laughs> and again, I've jumped around and I've gone way over 30 minutes. So. So Connor, I owe you 10 bucks, yeah. We're on a competition. He, he preached for 29 minutes or something last week. said, so I bet you can't preach for 30 minutes. I said, you're on. Okay, that was arrogance. So carnal. I'm still carnal. Gotta get spiritual. Amen, church. I, I get excited about this, not because I'm I'm trying to nail anybody. I, I'm, I'm walking the journey myself. I, how many know we want more? How many know that this isn't, can't be the finished work of Jesus? Amen? Can't be. There's got to be so much more in God. So for me, it's just to keep studying the Word of God, saying, Lord, help us look at a whole bunch of stuff and just say, Lord, we, we want to live like that. I, wanna, I want us as a church to live as a spiritual people. And those are not weird, funky, out there people. That's why Paul said, listen, just remember the purpose. Don't lose the plot. Remember the purpose. That's why actually in good-minded people, they also said, let's not just all sing in tongues on a Sunday and people come in and watch all this, whatever. Because he tells us here, their mind's unfruitful and people come in and they're not born again. The Bible says they can't understand the Spirit. So they can't understand that. So that's why Paul says, listen, remember the big picture. The big picture is we're building a city. We're building a place for God. So our, Paul says, I'd rather speak five words that they can understand than a whole bunch That's in the church. But in my quiet time, in our times alone, friends, I want to speak a lot in tongues. Why? Because I'm speaking to him. This thing is not in the way. This thing is. And I want to encourage you, I went to university. I'm not stupid. But I am. If I rely on this sucker. So I'm not knocking intelligence. Can you understand? Yeah, we got that, hey, this morning. I'm not lock, knocking guys who go and study and, and all of that. I'm just saying, God's saying, this guy got us in trouble in the very beginning, and it actually gets in the way sometimes. So just bypass it, speak in tongues. So I want to encourage you, if any of you here today and you've never spoken in tongues, come to the front after the service. We're going to pray for you that you get a language, a heavenly language. It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Does that mean if you, if you don't have the language that you're not been filled with the Spirit? No. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to even go into that theology. I just want, I'd love that everybody desires to speak in tongues, because it's such a beautiful gift that God's given us, that we can edify ourselves, whew, build up our spirits. So Father, I want to thank you. I've said a lot this morning, and I, I just want to pull it all together. I want to say, if there's anybody here this morning, and maybe you've been sitting there going, I don't know why we need to, this whole spiritual people thing, why is he talking about it? I just wanna hopefully have grounded you and pull you in, and hopefully over the next couple of weeks, I'll keep reiterating it. And I believe this is the most exciting, the most wonderful revelation opportunity for us in all our born again life. If we have not ever heard this, or we have heard some of it, but we've never really stepped into its fullness, then I wanna tell you today, God is, wooing you and calling you to step into this and to live in this. We were designed to be a spiritual people. Friends, we can continue on until Jesus comes and we just be fed milk of the word, the elementary things. Hebrews chapter six tells us the elementary things. It's wonderful, it's about that we've been forgiven. It's, it's about faith. And it's about baptism and washings and all those things. They're wonderful, friends, but there's so much more. We're called to be a spiritual people. We're we called to live in the realms of the Spirit. We're called to actually talk directly to God and to get discern, discernment and direct interpretation from Him to be able to speak into our situation. We should never, as the people of God, ever get surprised because God always sees ahead and He always knows. And friends, we should never be intimidated by anything that's in the natural because that's just fact. That's just circumstantial. That's not truth. And my Jesus told me, That when he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. It's a done deal and a finished work. That's why Colossians chapter three simply says, set your mind on the things above. Set our minds, Lord, on the things above. May we understand, Lord God, that we can overcome anything in this life because we are a people that have set our minds in the realms of the spirit. We're very natural, but we are a very supernatural bunch of people. I pray today, Lord God, that the revelation will begin to grow, the seeds will be planted in our hearts, and we will get greater and greater understanding of what I'm trying to share. But as I pray this right now, I pray over every single one of us today, Lord, I speak uh, death to any confusion, anything the enemy would try to bring in, any condemnation, any guilt, anything like that, I just break it right now in the name of Jesus. Because that's not of the spirit. But I thank you, Lord God, you came to set us free from the law of sin and death. You came to ignite us into a realm of the spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy. When we live as spiritual people, friends, I promise you, the life becomes a joy. Life becomes full of peace. Peace. So I pray today Lord God that as we step along this as we step out into the week on Monday, help us to live more and more as a spiritual person and less and less as a carnal one in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. If anybody does need